We're seven episodes into the Sided Podcast. This one, number eight. Hey, everyone. Cameron is there with a new guest here on the Sided Podcast. It's Ryan Dyrude, one of our power users on Sided. Again, our site, Sided.co, and our app, Sided Debates. Go on there, make an account. Make sure that you post your debates because your topic could be discussed on this podcast. Ryan, how's it going? What's up, Cameron? Appreciate you uh, having me on. Excited to see what you guys are doing here with the, the Sided Podcast and let people uh, voice their opinions on all these uh, heated debates. So happy to be joining you. And the best part is you are a part of Sided. You post your debates. You make sure to get your voice heard on there and other people will comment and, and, and put their idea on your poll. And now you found your way on the Sided Podcast. So it kind of works hand in hand. You don't just get to post your debate, but you also get to get your voice heard as well. Introduce yourself to the people. There we go. Yeah, it's always more fun debating via talking than actually typing. I think you can, uh, you can sway your opinion a little more. But yeah, man, I, you know, you said the name, Ryan Dyrett. I'm the uh, founder of the LA Football Network. Uh, we cover the uh, Rams, Chargers, Trojans, and Bruins. We have, you know, seven different podcasts on our network as well, all covering those teams. My own podcast uh, co-host is Frosty Rucker, former NFL player, and we cover all four teams. So uh, it's been fun, dude, uh, but I'm happy to uh, be on with you now and, and talking some LA debates, but also some other ones. So we'll see how we do. Yeah, Sided covers absolutely everything, and we're going to cover that today. Again, go check out the LA Football Network where Ryan has all of his stuff there and go on our website, Sided.co, as well as download our app, Sided Debates, to, you know, get your debate heard on this podcast. We have a lot of content between the two of us, but we're going to provide just a little bit of it today with our six topics. We're going to start with the first one, Ryan, and we're going to UDDA on Sided. I think it's UDA or UDA, whichever one it is. It's a great question that they posted. Whose absence is a bigger loss for their team? Chris Paul for the Suns or Kawhi Leonard for the LA Clippers? A little context. Chris Paul is out in the COVID and health protocol section and Kawhi Leonard might've suffered an, an ACL injury. They thought it was just a minor one, but it might turn into a major situation. Ryan, which one are you giving me? Well, it's a really good question. And both players are so instrumental to both their teams. Um, but I think the answer is Kawhi mainly just because he provides more firepower. Yes. Chris Paul's, you know, important, but Devin Booker has been, you know, lights out uh, with the Suns as well. And he can score at will if needed. And we saw Paul George for the Clippers last night, take over a game, but I think that's more few and far between in his repertoire, whereas Booker can probably do more so. And then just elongating that Kawhi's injury seems like it might be one that is done for the playoffs where CP three will go through the protocol, might miss a couple games and he'll be back. Um, so I don't think it'll be, you know, a season ending, if you will, just because it's the protocol. And I believe someone has even said he's already been vaccinated too. So it's, it could even be shorter. I don't really know all the rules on that. Um, but yeah, it's a good debate. It's a good question. Both are super important, but I just think overall, it's gotta be Kawhi who, uh, in my opinion, is a top three, four player in the NBA right now. And, uh, if these Clippers want a shot at making their first ever Western conference finals and then potential first ever NBA championship, uh, he needs to be there because they're not doing it without him. Whereas the Suns could maybe go farther without CP three. Right now it's three, two Clippers. You mentioned that Clippers win over the Utah jazz 67% of people agree with you on sided, but I'm going with the minority. I'm saying Chris Paul and the Suns because as much as I see Devin Booker as the most important player 
on the Phoenix Suns team because of what he can do on the scoring end and whatever it may be, bringing energy to that team. Chris Paul is the energizer bunny. He's a guy that can drop 37, but he's also a guy that can dish out 15 assists. He's the reason the Suns are even in this position in the first place. I think that the Clippers have, I, I look at I look at Paul George, and although he hasn't had the success in the playoffs, he can be regarded as a top 20 player in the NBA, maybe even top 15 when he's at his best. And I think that just having Paul George with the other weapons on that Clippers team and the fact that they're playing in, you know, they're playing the Utah Jazz right now and they're a game up because they just won without Kawhi. I think with all those implications, this Clippers team is better when you take away Kawhi than the Suns are if you take away Chris Paul. Also, the Suns are already in the Western Conference Finals, so the stakes just heighten at that point, and you're taking away either their first or second best player on that team. I'm going to go Chris Paul's the bigger absence because in those first two games in the Western Conference Finals that Chris Paul could be out for, those could be the most integral games, depending on who they play in the Clippers and the Jazz, because you get Chris Paul down, you know, Chris Paul back down 2-0, that could be a huge loss. And the fact that the Suns are used to playing ahead after taking that 3-2 lead over the Lakers and sweeping the Nuggets. So I'm going Chris Paul. You're going Kawhi. Let's move on to the next topic. And this one has to do with golf. So we're not just, you know, sticking on one sport. We're taking one sport and hopping over to a completely different stratosphere, going with golf as Tommy posts this on Sided. Phil Lefty Mickelson at the U.S. Open will make the cut and play the weekend miss the cut and stay home on the weekend or be on the leaderboard and get everyone excited. I know Ryan, you're a huge Phil Mickelson fan. What are you giving me? Yeah, I love, I love Phil always have. It's always back when I was, I'm a little older than you. So growing up and it was always kind of tiger versus Phil, even though tiger has, you know, way more wins and, and championships, but that was kind of the, the fun rivalry. I know Sergio Garcia was in that too, but I was always a Phil guy. Um, what's hard about this is Phil is such an up and down player. Like obviously we saw at the PGA championship, him play lights out and he has absolutely the ability to win the entire thing, but then he could also, you know, shoot four over each day and miss the cut completely. I do think, however, if I'm not mistaken, this is at Torrey Pines, which is like his home course. Like he grew up playing there from San Diego. So I do think Phil makes the cut. I do think he makes a run for the championship. It's the one championship he is missing in for the grand slam. You know, he has the open, he has a couple PGAs, has a couple masters. He needs that all elusive us open. And I think this might be the year he gets it because it, you know, bodes very well the fact that it's playing at Torrey Pines. So I hope so. What a, I mean, 51 years old. I think he'd be, he was already the oldest to win the PGA. I think that would make him probably the oldest to win the U.S. Open as well. But he's playing some of his best golf. He's doing these match tournaments, which are just a blast to watch as a fan and so much fun. And you can tell he's just having fun out there. I mean, he, even at the PGA, you know, you can see he's dialed in obviously as a competitor, but he still is, is Phil Mickelson. Like you can, when the mic picks up certain things that he says, he still has fun out there. And I think he's at the age now where he's not worried about making mistakes. He's just out there having fun and playing good. So I'm going to go with that option. A makes the cut plays the weekend, but also I think he's going to contend for his first us open championship. Wow. That's a, it's a big claim to make. And I love it. Cause you mentioned Phil Mickelson's a local Tory pines guy. I am too. So I think I have to go with my, uh, you know, my, my fellow hometown golfer, uh, even though my golf game is not even remotely close to as good as Phil Mickelson's golf game, but I'm going with Phil Mickelson 
to make the cut. I think he has to. I think you're right. He's playing the best golf that he's played in a really, really long time. And I think that continues off the momentum of the PGA tournament. I think he plays the weekend, but I, I, I don't think that he gets as close as you're saying. So I don't think he gets on that leaderboard. I think he barely scratches the top 10 only because of the other competition in this U.S. Open. John Rahm has a lot to play for after being six strokes up and have, you know, going through COVID and having to go in the quarantine process and getting his name taken off of that last tournament. I mean, you look at other guys like Brooks Kepka and Jordan Spieth and everyone that has so much to play for. And I just think that the intensity right now going into the U.S. Open is so high for so many players because it's been a rough year for a lot of these guys. It's not like you're looking at, you know, the guys that are used to being at the top and they're playing their best golf. I mean, you looked at the Masters, you'd expect a Dustin Johnson to win. You'd expect a John Rama, Brooks Kepka, but it was Matsuama. So it adds another player in that pool that's playing great golf. I just think there are better golfers in this pool of players in the U.S. Open than Phil Mickelson. It would be a fantastic story. I just don't think he gets it done. And, and Ryan, we don't have any cliffhangers on this show. Where do you think he finishes on that leaderboard? I gotta go. I gotta go. He wins it. I'm a, I'm a pure optimist. If you listen to my podcast, I'm always the glass half full guy. Uh, whereas my co-host Frosty kind of takes the other approach a little bit. Maybe the fact that he actually played in the game 13 years has him see things the other way. But uh, I just think, and I agree with you. I mean, Brooks Kepka, who was with Phil at, at the PGA, you know, they, they were in the final pairing and he played well, kind of fell off there at the end. John Rom, like you said, Xander Sheffield, I always say his last name wrong, uh, but he, yeah. uh, he's been playing really well as well. Um, Dustin Johnson, like where has he been the last like year, but you know, he's going to come out of his shell eventually and play great. But I think this is the year where Phil finally gets that U S open. And maybe it's just the fan in me wanting it on father's day to happen. So I'm going to go with, he finishes with the win. Number one. I'm going to go, let's say 12th. I think, but it's a, it's a respectable 12th. I think that he stays consistent throughout the entire weekend. I don't think there's any chance he misses the cut. If he does, I will be very sad because it's just a great storyline that he could even have a chance to win that first U.S. Open. Now, on to the next topic. We're going to Alex Padilla, power user on sided. He's used to posting all these Lakers debates, and he's right back at it, Ryan. This one, should the Lakers, quote-unquote, run it back with this roster, their current one, or start over with AD, Anthony Davis, LeBron, and a new roster? The two options, run it back or start over. Of course, the Lakers bounced out in the first round of this year's NBA playoffs. Two minutes on the clock, Ryan. Where do you think the Lakers go from here? Well, I mean, I think this year proved that they need to maybe not necessarily completely start over and blow it up, but they need to reassess and add different players. Because if AD's not healthy, which his whole career, that's been an issue. And if LeBron's not fully healthy, which, you know, last year and even a little bit in the bubble was uh, some things that, you know, reared their ugly head then this team can't do anything really. I mean, Kyle Kuzma had his huge struggles. I know he's such an up and down player and fans sometimes love him, sometimes hate him. And we saw that a lot last season. So I think they definitely need to make an adjustments and maybe that is trading Kuzma for someone. Um, you know, I know there's going to be some free agents out there this year that the, the Lakers can obviously try to lure to LA to pair with AD and LeBron. Cause there's that one team. Every team seems to have the big three quote unquote that everyone talks about. And the Lakers have the big two. They don't really have that big third guy. And so if they can get someone of that caliber, or even if in the second tier, they can at least be a healthy guy that can score on those nights that maybe AD or LeBron are not playing as well. I think they'll bowl a lot better. So 
yeah, I think just seeing, you know, finishing as a seven seed, barely getting in, you know, beating Golden State in that that thriller at the end of the season. I just think it, it makes sense that they need to kind of adjust things and uh, not necessarily blow it up, but at least find a third player that can really uh, contribute well to the big two. Yeah, 50% or 55% of people on Snyder agree with you. And I think that the Lakers need to get rid of at least 50% of this team. And I'm not saying that going into the season, I wasn't confident in this Lakers team having success. I was. I loved the pieces in Schroeder and Harold. Even when they got Andre Drummond, I'm like, okay, there you go. You're filling in a, you know, a gap, a hole that was left by Anthony Davis when he got his injury. And when he could come back, this Lakers team is a whole new animal. But I didn't see that because the camaraderie wasn't there. I think the Lakers really during the first half of the season need to work on that camaraderie. And it starts with getting new guys soon. So then when you get into the season, it's not like a bunch of new faces. At least get guys that can play within a system and play their own roles. It just seemed like everyone at some point was playing out of their role. That's why Dennis Schroeder was struggling. Kyle Kuzma was awful because he was expected to do a lot more than he should have been expected to do. A lot of fans were having that expectation, the organization as well. So I, I'm not saying run it back. And I'm not saying start over. So I'm where you are. I'm in that middle ground where this Lakers team really has to make adjustments. They need to make them fast. I think it starts with getting veteran experience and guys that know how to play together, whether it be a, a you know an old teammate of LeBron or someone that knows how to play with Anthony Davis. I'm not saying go out and get the big three, get the big superstar, but you need a you know a, a plenty of play, catch and shoot guys that are consistent. And if you can get those consistent weapons then I think that this Lakers team will have success. I don't want to cut you off, Cameron. I know we move on quick, but do you know what uh, Carmelo's contract situation is? Because I feel that'd be a fun ad. Pair him with AD, and he's your 10 to 12 points a game, play 10 minutes, and could add a spark. And why I love that you just mentioned that is I mentioned consistency, and Carmelo has been that all-consistent player, especially in the latter half of his career. It seems like he's taking better shots. I don't know his exact contract situation. It seems like he wants to stay with the Blazers, because the you know because Portland gives him the opportunities and puts him in the spaces mm -hmm. that he wants to be in, but I mean that would be a story. Yeah. That would be nice. I, I mean I like that Epic you throw team that right there. out there. I like it. I like a guy like Norman Powell too. I mean I, I Robert Covington, other guys that can be physical on both ends of the floor. I just think that adding names that know how to play the game at the highest level and can also gel well with LeBron and AD and bring a consistent you know, game every single time they go out to the floor. I think that would bode well for the Lakers. But Carmelo, I like that. I, hey, we're, we're both shrugging our shoulders because it could happen. You never know with this yeah. Lakers team, with LeBron, with Anthony Davis. Who knows? You just have to wait till next season. Yeah. Now, Ryan, you post a lot on Sided, and we love that. So we want to not just give you props and kudos by putting you on the Sided podcast, we also want to talk about some of your debates. So for these final debates, our final two and our final debate of the day, we're going to talk about your debates. So let's go back to Sided. Again, Sided.co, our website and our app, Sided Debates. Go down, download that, make an account, post your debates just like Ryan does. This first one from you, so you have a lot to say about it. Which potential Chargers roster cut would surprise you the most? And the options are on your screen. KJ Hill, Michael Badgley, Joshua Kelly, Steven Anderson, and Jalen Guyton. And the best part about your debates, in my opinion, is you add a link. So you have where people can, you know, learn more about the topic on 
LA football network, the, you know, the site that you created, the site that you run with the podcast and everything. So if you're curious and want to learn more about these topics, go check out LA football network. So Ryan, I know that you know a lot about this topic, the bolts, you have the, you have the mug, where are they going? What, what in, in, out of these five names, which potential chargers roster cut would surprise you the most? Well, when you, when you invited, I appreciate the shameless plug. And when you invited me on, I made sure to have the, the bolt mug because I knew Scott Kaplan would probably be checking this out. So in honor of my man, Scott had to have that one instead of the Rams one today. But um, yeah, it's an interesting question because I think I actually view this a little differently than most fans. Um, I've seen, you know, I think the poll has Jalen Guyton as like a, a unanimous almost uh, as the surprise cut. I think most fans in general would agree with that after having a pretty solid year as their kind of pseudo wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Um, but I did, in my opinion, I think Joshua Kelly would be the most surprising to me after being drafted just last year in the fourth round. I know this is a new coaching staff. I know they just drafted Larry Roundtree as well this year, but I just, and I maybe I'm a little biased because I cover UCLA as well, but I think Joshua Kelly can be such a good running back and be such a good compliment to Austin Eckler because they're very different style backs. Kelly's that bell cow guy that, you know, we saw at UCLA him average like 27 to 30 carries a game and can really put the game on his back. And last year started off super hot, super good. And then had a couple of fumbles early on. And then basically was put on a red shirt program and was not even uh, dressed for the last few weeks of the season. But now there's a, a new regime in, and I think that they'll try to utilize his skill set. Hopefully he can improve his special teams game. And the reason why I think he'd be more surprising than Guyton is just because of how deep the wide receiver room is. Just drafting two guys last year in um, Joe Reed and KJ Hill. Drafted another this year in Josh Palmer in the third round. Plus, obviously, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So those are five guys he's invested a lot in. And Jalen Guyton, although he had some great catches, he also had some catastrophic drops throughout the year. So he's a guy that I could see them going more for a Tyron Johnson, who they have similar skill sets but didn't have the drops, whereas Guyton had the drops. So I know it surprised people, but I think for me, Joshua Kelly would be more surprising uh, than Guyton. Now, it wasn't unanimous on sided, but 70% of people said Jalen Guyton. And a big part of that, I, I don't know if you agree with me, is the fact that out of those five names, if you don't support the Chargers or follow the Chargers, the one name you might know is Jalen Guyton. You <laughs> might not know how to say it, but you'll, you've heard the name. It's a guy that had over 500 yards last season, and he had that big catch in, what was it, Oakland? Or he, he had or Vegas, Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's a guy that I think people know the best. So that's why they'll go Jalen Guyton. I'm going to go Jalen Guyton, too. I'm a, I'm a Chargers supporter. I know these five players. But the reason I'm going with Guyton is I understand what you're saying about Tyron Johnson. I get it with K.J. Hill. I think this wide receiver class is deep. But the biggest issue with the Chargers over the past couple of years is health. We saw with Austin Eckler last year with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I mean, Keenan Allen has had his fair share of devastating injuries and Mike Williams has been so up and down on the injury front. That's why his stats aren't as high as many expect them to be. So I'm going Jalen Guyton because he can be not just that consistent third wide receiver for this team, but also if one of those two stars goes out, he can be a guy that Justin Herbert, as well as just the Chargers as a whole, can rely on to be that consistent number two guy if Williams goes out with an injury or Keenan Allen. I think that getting rid of him and bumping up Tyron Johnson into a position that he's, you know, frankly, never been in before, I just think that would be much of a stretch. But I like the Josh Kelly pick only because this is a guy that can complement Austin Eckler a lot, uh, like a lot like what Chris Carson and Rashad Penny did in Seattle. 
So, you know, a guy that can come out of the backfield, but also a downhill runner. So I, I get what you're saying there. I also love that you put Michael Badgley there because this Chargers team has had no kicking success. Not and Badgley is, I mean, teeters the line. Their best, their best kicker of date is probably also the most hated kicker in their franchise history. <laughs> and he's probably their best, though, in Nate Kading. <laughs> exactly. And what's so funny is now Young Way Koo is having, you know, the best seasons of his career in Atlanta. And that just brings back, you know, memories of him constantly missing game-winning field goals and missing, you know, four field goals in a game when he was in L.A. uniforms. So. And, and last thing, quick, before you move on. Also, reason why I would not be as shocked with Guyton is I'm a huge Josh Palmer guy who they just drafted. And I know this might be a hot take because he's a rookie, but I think he's going to be their wide receiver three. I think he will be their, their third guy. He had horrible quarterback play at Tennessee, but his talent, his measurables, everything's off the chart. And I think they're grooming him to potentially be wide receiver two if they can't resign Mike Williams. So I think he'll have a big role. I like that because Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, I've watched a, a bit of him too. Big receiver that can go up and get the ball. I like his game. And I just think that the Chargers need to start utilizing their draft picks a little better. And this is a third round pick. Might as well use them in that situation. Topic number five, back to your page on Sided. And we're staying in the NFL, but this one is about coaches rather than, rather than players. You posted this, Ryan. Which NFL coach will have more wins in the 2021-2022 season? The options, Sean McVay, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, or Andy Reid. I think for most people that watch the NFL, they know the teams that those, that those coaches actually coach for. So sending it over to you with two minutes on the clock, who are you giving me? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one because those are all great coaches and all probably playoff coaches, uh, even this year again, as they've been, it seems like for a substantial amount of time. Um, you know, I love McVay and what the Rams are doing this offseason, obviously adding Matthew Stafford, kind of getting his quarterback that he wanted. Um, and I think they're going to have a very good year, but it's so hard to pick against Andy Reid with this Chiefs team that was just in the Super Bowl um, twice, you know, won one, lost one. They literally did not lose pretty much anyone this last offseason. Yet again, back-to-back -back years, back-to-back -back Super Bowls, and their roster has stayed exactly the same, which is just shocking. Um, they have the best quarterback in the NFL in, uh, in Pat Mahomes. And obviously I love Matt Stafford with the Rams, but Mahomes is the best quarterback right now in the NFL. Um, both teams play in a tough division. AFC West is very tough. NFC West might be the hardest division in football, which is probably why I'll give the nod to Andy Reid. Um, just because the Rams, I mean, you have four teams that can all make the playoffs in that division. Uh, the Cardinals being kind of the iffy one, but they're very talented roster. Their biggest question mark, I think, is if Cliff Kingsbury is actually a good NFL coach or not, and if he can get them over that hub. But on, on paper, that's a good roster. Obviously, we know the Seahawks are in it every year, and the Niners, if healthy, a lot of people are, are predicting to win the NFC West, um, depending on what they do at quarterback there. So I uh, love Sean McVay and love what they can do. Um, obviously, Mike Tomlin has just been a, a staple in Pittsburgh, um, but who knows what we'll see out of Big Ben this year. We saw him kind of taper off last year, how well he plays this year. John Harbaugh, I think the Ravens are going to be very good as well. Um, they always are, and they play in a tough division too. And I'll say I mentioned Pete Carroll, always a playoff contender. But just Andy Reid, the fact that the Chiefs have everyone returning, have the best quarterback in the NFL. He's a Hall of Fame coach, finally got a Super Bowl win two years ago. Um, it's hard to pick against him for most wins, but it's, it's they're going to be separated by like a game. It's going to be close. I don't think it's much of a surprise that Andy Reid takes the cake on sided. And 60% of people are going with Big Red. I'm going to go with the dark horse and say John Harbaugh, only because this Ravens team is coming off what many Baltimore fans will see as a disappointing season. I think Lamar Jackson needs some kind of, some kind of push 
in this next season to, you know, see his career going in the trajectory that he wants it to go into. I, I'm not saying that the Chiefs will have a bad season. I think this team will again win, you know, 12, 13 games. But I think that the division can challenge the Chiefs a little bit by watching what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Because that was, it was very, you know, prevalent that the Chiefs do have a kryptonite and the Buccaneers took advantage of that. And I think that the Chargers could possibly take one of those two games. I don't know if the Denver Broncos or the Las Vegas Raiders can, but I look at those two teams as they could surprise the Chiefs. You never know. The Chargers almost beat the Chiefs last season before the, you know, the, the Chiefs had that stunning comeback. So I'm going to say the Ravens and John Harbaugh because the Ravens need to win that division in order to stay relevant, not just because of Lamar Jackson. So you take Lamar Jackson off that team, this Ravens team is totally irrelevant. You put Lamar Jackson back on it, I think this Ravens team needs some kind of energy boost going into the next couple of years. And I think this is the season to do it because we saw that the Chiefs do have a weakness and the Buccaneers exploited that. So I'm going with John Harbaugh. You'll take Andy Reid, but I think you go with any guys on that list. A little shocked that Pete Carroll's at 0%. But, you know, Bill Belichick at at nine, Sean McVay at at 14. Don't think there's a wrong choice on that list. Now we're going to the final debate of the day. One minute on the clock, Ryan. We're going to breeze right through this one, but feel free to take your time with it. You posted, where will USC quarterback Keaton Slovis rank among QBs heading into the 2022 NFL draft. You have first through fifth. I know you probably have a lot to say on this. So again, minute on the clock, where are you putting Keaton Slovis? Yeah, well, I, you know, I love Keaton Slovis's game. He had kind of a down year last year in 2020 with so many factors with that, with obviously COVID. And you can say that for any player, obviously, but the Pac-12 was just, I, I don't think any Pac-12 quarterback really performed well. I mean, even Jay and Daniels, you had a really weird year. DTR had kind of a weird year who missed multiple games with UCLA because of COVID. Um, so I'm kind of throwing out last year. His, his freshman year obviously was off the charts, you know, took the world by storm, um, had, you know, almost record rating statistics. Everyone knows about how he you know, was coached by Kurt Warner in high school, but he was only a three-star recruit and not many big schools went after him. But um, I love his game. I think he has a big bounce back game this year. He has one of the best receivers in the country and Jake uh, Drake London, who I think is going to be a Blitnikoff finalist. And, uh, but I, I do have him finishing around that third, I think of quarterbacks. Um, he could push to first, he could drop to fifth. He'll definitely, I think be a first round pick unless he has some catastrophic thing happen. Um, but I think he finishes third just because of the system USC runs now, which is more of an air raid style system. It's not true air raid. It's kind of a, a blend, if you will. Uh, we talk about that a lot more on the LA football podcast. Um, but yeah, I just think with the receiving core he has, he's going to put up great numbers again. If he can get the control down that we saw kind of lacking last year, you know, he, he kind of threw a lot of ducks and had kind of a weird mechanics last year. Um, but if he gets that under control, he'll bounce back up. Um, but the biggest reason why I think he stays third is the system. And then also he just doesn't have the arm strength as some of the, the premier quarterbacks going into the draft uh, that kind of jump up early on, even like a guy like DTR that is kind of suspect and, and, you know, has some weird flaws that he started at UCLA, but his like athleticism and arm strength is off the charts. So if he can get some of the control stuff under, I think he'll jump up high Whereas Slovis is a little limited by his arm strength, but he has great, you know, mental awareness has great accuracy. You know, he's averaged like 70% completion percentage his career. So, um, but I think he finishes around that, that third QB, but still will be a first round pick. 
Yeah, I mean, you you know, you said everything. I, I think that there's not much more that I can back it up with. But I'm going to go fourth and throw out some names. Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Derek King. I think those three finish above him only because Sam Howell, you talk about the system at USC. It, it complements Sam Howell perfectly at North Carolina. He's coming back after having a couple phenomenal seasons. This is a guy with 30-plus touchdowns in his first two seasons and under 10 interceptions. I think Spencer Rattler wins the Heisman because it just seems like if you're a quarterback that likes to throw it long at Oklahoma, you win the Heisman Trophy. And then Derek King is coming back for a sixth season. I think his experience takes the cake over what Keaton Slovis can do at USC. So I'm going to go fourth because of those three quarterbacks, but I think Slovis has to be a first-round pick, whether it is late in the top 10 or, you know, somewhere in between that 10 and 20 range. That's episode eight of the Sided Podcast. Cameron is there with Ryan Dyrud. Ryan, thanks for taking the time. Cameron, it was fun. I appreciate you uh, having me on and uh, being able to talk some sports. Great time as always. Appreciate you. And the best part about it is if you go on our website, Cited.co or our app, the Cited Debates app, you can post a debate. You can, you know, voice your opinion through your computer, but you can also get on this podcast. If you're interested at all in getting on the Cited podcast, just like Ryan was, you could have a, you know, you could hop on this episode and, and talk about your debates, other debates as well, just as Ryan showed. So again, this has been episode eight of the Sided Podcast with Ryan Dyrud from LA Football Network. I'm Cameron Azair, and you don't have to wait much longer to hear us again. We'll catch you next time.